Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. And the NBA season, it's back. Finally, we are just two days away from preseason games starting. But hey, and all for all intents and purposes, we are back. It's been a quick turnaround, but the NBA season is ready to roll once again. Tons of stories around the league that we're going to talk about today. If you're joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope, welcome in. If you're watching the live version of the show, if you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you toss us a five-star review. And of course, don't forget to send us your comments, your questions. We might address some of them on our next show. Again, this is the NBA front office show. Make sure you search for that when you're looking for us. Joining me as always, Keith Smith from Real GM, Yahoo, Celtics blog, all over the place. Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, I, I can't believe we're less than two weeks from the first games of the season. That, that is absolutely uh, wild. Uh, but here we are, right? Right? We're we're down to it. I, I hope everybody enjoyed those 71 game, 71 days in between Lakers games as best you could. Exactly. I mean, it's it's been especially if you've been following following the Lakers, you've been following the Miami Heat. the The turnaround has been insane. It's great for me, right? Being a being a basketball guy, it's been <laughs> been fantastic. Uh, but but I mean, for most people, their heads are probably spinning trying to deal with everything that's happened in this league. And it feels like there's constantly something going on at this point. Just the NBA is is nonstop. In fact, literally, what, three minutes, four minutes before we decided to hit hit stream, <laughs> hit go. You let me know that something new just came out from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Why don't we just start there? What's going on with Giannis? Yeah, it sounds like uh, he had media availability today, said he's not really focused on the contract talks. He is focused on the being the best him he can be or something along those lines. One of those throwaway things that it's pro- probably was on a poster somewhere right, yeah. at the school you used to teach at, right? Um, you know, that, that's probably how, how that went. But uh, yeah, he then said, you know, his agent in the front office are the ones who are focused on uh, those talks. So we'll ultimately see where this goes. I mean, I mean, we're getting down to it. We're we're down to, uh, you know, uh, about twelve days from now as we're recording mm-hmm. this on the ninth, um, before you is the deadline to sign an extension if that's where you want to be. So so we'll see. You know what well, what happens with Giannis? It's uh, you know, if you're the Bucks, it's you got to be a little bit nervous that it's not done yet because now he's back in town, camp is underway, and all that stuff. But hopefully they'll be able to get that figured out sooner rather than later. I get like he doesn't want like he can't just come out and say, oh, this is what I'm doing. That's not you know his agents got to figure things out with the team although i mean it's a max deal that how much is there really to to figure out um but still this has got to make bucks fans feel a little bit uneasy you can't be pleased that you're getting that answer when you're so close to the deadline here because of what it means for their season like if he if he doesn't sign this thing that means even if even let's say he wants to stay in milwaukee and he doesn't sign this thing all season long they're going to be faced with the question of what's Giannis going to do? Are you going to trade him? Where's that at? Every single day, this is going to come up, and that is not a pleasant experience. Yeah, every time they lose two games in a row, mm-hmm. it's going to be, does he need to go? Do you need to move him? Do, does he need to be traded? And that, that's you know not, not where you want to be. 
you know, as a, you know, franchise, you do not want to be in a position where you are, you know, having to deal with that, you know, all the time. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, that that's going to be something to monitor here the rest of the way. I assume they'd rather get this done. I think if you're Milwaukee, even if he doesn't sign, right, you're hopeful you can still parlay this into a really good season this year. And then you're going to turn that into, you know, maybe a championship and you, you figure it out from there. But yeah, it's, you know, definitely going to be something that's going to be, you know, kind of hanging over that team all year long as they try to figure it out. So what, what could be going on right now? Like why I feel like every, he knows exactly what the options are. It's a, yeah. it's a, super max contract here it is yes or no what is there for the agent and the team to be negotiating or is this just Giannis just deflecting and you know there's other stuff going on what's your take here yeah my guess is it's probably a little bit of those those extra things mm-hmm. things like um you know the trade kicker uh, in there, you know, four versus five years, a player option at the end, an early termination option at the end. Gotcha. You know, well, what what are you going to give him? Um, you know, money wise, we all know. You know, ideally for the Bucks, it'd be a full five years at the max, and that'd be you know what it would be. And you know, if you're Giannis, you might want to do you know four years and then you know have an opt out at the end of that. And that's probably you know more the direction that they want to go. Um, there's probably you know potentially discussions on pay structure as far as you know. There's so much you can upfront pay and those kind of things so um you know that just stuff like that it's it's there and then you know of course the conversations are probably being had along the lines of or what are you going to do if you know uh we get to the trade deadline and it's clear we need one more guard or we need another score or something like that and you're trying to get those kind of commitments out of the team because that's i think what you ultimately want to do if you're uh Giannis and his reps you want to make sure that the team is going to be absolutely as competitive as they can be the whole way through could you see there being a, a scenario where we get uh, the Paul George situation from what we heard his deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder was hey I'm going to sign with you long term I'm committing to you but you know hey if there's a if there's an opportunity and the Thunder presented this to him just know that if there's a point where you decide this isn't working anymore come to us and we will do our best to accommodate you we will find a, a new home for you so we're signing this contract obviously it can't be part of the deal but we are telling you if you come to us, we will accommodate you and we'll find a new home. Could that be something that Giannis could negotiate? I know that's something that was going around about a month ago. Yeah, I mean, maybe the challenge is, like you said, you can't you can't put that right. in writing, right? So that can't be anything that you can say, all right, this is done now. And then, then there's no way you can go back to them and say, hey, I'm going to hold you to this or anything like that. That's just kind of one of those implied mm-hmm. things there. But yeah, I mean, that could certainly be part of it as well is, you know, hey, just because I'm signing for five years, that doesn't mean I'm going to stay here. But what, what I'll tell you is, I mean, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, sign for, for five years. And then if you don't like situation in two years you know ask for a trade i mean we're we're starting to see that uh already with uh you know james harden now and other players are you know over the years have you know kind of said hey i'm ready to go i don't want to be here you know long term even though i signed a long-term deal there's no more do you guys have to wait until they're in that last year of the contract they can go whenever they want well let's talk about that because that is right now the big story that's dominating the nba uh landscape is james Harden. I mean, it's a huge deal. He is what, at worst, a top five player in the NBA. He clearly wants out. Yep. He wants to leave Houston. He wants to go somewhere else, whether that's Brooklyn or now Philly or, or wherever. Um, it's not a great scenario for the NBA to have a player forcing his way out with that much time still left on his contract. And, of course, his antics. Um, I mean, we can talk all about that. 
but yeah. what what does this mean for the Houston Rockets? I mean, you've got a new coach in Stephen Silas. I mean, that's going to be a difficult situation to deal with in and of itself. A new coach coming in, and now you've got a superstar that clearly wants out. But how do they handle this? I've seen a lot of fans around the league saying, oh, well, fine him, don't pay him, all of that kind of stuff. He needs to be taught a lesson and everything. And I don't think that's really a path they can go down here. No, the whole fine him thing and don't pay him like stuff. Once you start down that path too, the last thing you want to do is get that rep as the organization doesn't take care of superstars, right? right? And you're you're willing to go to battle, you know, against those superstars rather with those superstars. So I think that is is one of those things where you, you gotta be cautious on that if you're the Rockets. But I think the Rockets, um, you know, they're they're in a tough spot here because he's, you know. Clearly a great player. You should be able to return, you know, a monster package for a guy like him. But but the challenge for James Harden is he's a unique kind of player. He doesn't necessarily fit um, into every place around the league. So that becomes, you know, something you got to kind of factor in and work through there. Um, and then if you are making a deal because he makes 40 plus million dollars, you're going to have to, the other team's going to have to either send you a big contract back your way or they're going to have to send you three, four guys back your way and that that can be tough to do i, I think you know what's probably going to happen is uh, i think this will drag into the season we'll see where it goes and then maybe something gets done in season um but yeah it, it's going to be one of those things where you know I, I think everybody wants a resolve the one thing i will say is now that he's there i don't think you're going to see him tanking uh, out this year not trying or anything like that this is a guy who doesn't really ever miss games he always plays hard when he there so so i think um you know he'll, he'll be just fine and he'll you know play that out and you'll be uh be be quite good um you know for the for the rockets this year just because i don't think he knows any other way to play um but you could have it be one of those jimmy butler type situations where you know then he's just kind of dominating practice and <laughs> making it impossible to get a good practice off you're not winning without me yeah i, I know what you that, that jimmy yeah. butler that was legendary of course but um but harden i mean <laughs> Okay, strategically, I get what he was doing, right? James Harden with his, you know, short-lived holdout, he was showing the Rockets, hey, look, the Rockets said they were okay, you know, getting a little uncomfortable heading into the season. They didn't want to have that pressure on them to trade him right away. And so he said, okay, fine. Well, then I'm going to make you really uncomfortable and we're going to, I'm going to show you how bad this can get to try to pre create a little bit of urgency there. You don't want, he doesn't want yep. the Rockets to just say, oh, well, we'll wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. The Rockets, they're trying to reclaim whatever leverage they have left by saying, no, we're in no rush to trade him. We're not going to do this right this minute. Um, but what do you think about the way he went about it? For a lot of people, they are pointing to this as being the latest example of why player empowerment is a bad thing in the NBA. I mean, what do, what do you think about the way this all has played out? Yeah, I don't um, root you know, ever against the players. I want them to have be empowered. I kind of look at it as rooting for labor versus rooting for, for management. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's a little funny to pick sides when, you know, quite frankly, at that level, they're all, you know, multimillionaires <laughs> or billionaires, you know, but I mean, it is what it is there. So I think, you know, for the, um, 
you know, for this, yeah, it's not a good look. You, you've got two years at least left on your contract, followed by a player option. You have, um, you know, you've put the team in a really difficult spot, especially when you initially came in and named, you know, the Nets is where I want to be. And, you know, that never got refuted by anybody. So that was, you know, difficult. Now I think he's realizing like, yeah, the Nets thing may not be it. So now we're hearing he's open to, you know, four other teams and the like. So that is, um, you know, something to, you know, kind of keep an eye on there is, you know, is he, you know, really, you know, open to, you know, doing other, you know, teams as well. But, you know, if you're that, if you're um, a team who wants to trade for him, I think your challenge becomes: if he didn't want to be there, are you going to go through this a year from now? Right. You know, when he doesn't want to be there and it turns into a whole thing. I think everybody saw how the Kyrie Irving situation played out in Boston, um, where you know he got traded there. That wasn't one of the teams on his list. Then he, you know, really kind of made the best of it. Um, somebody said, "Am I saying yo a lot or what?" It's I say you know, but I say <laughs> it very quickly, um, so it comes out sounding like yo. Um, <laughs> but uh, with Kyrie, he tried to make the best of it. Then he didn't want to be there, and then he wanted to move move on. So that that is you know the hard thing you know here where you know do you want to put it in a position where you're going to uh you know give up this huge package for a guy who may not be happy to be there so so i think that is going to be something that gets factored into this in a big big way well and that's another thing that that he kind of he fired the warning shot here not only is this let's make the rockets a little uncomfortable but this bad behavior that we've seen from james harden if we want to call it that yeah that's a whole other that's that's him showing that hey look you trade for me this is how bad it can get if you're a team that trades for me and I don't want to be there, because really, I mean, like you said, two years under contract, this isn't like I've got one year left, I'm going to be leaving, and I'm giving you the heads up here. There's there's very different ways to look at this. On one hand, I look at this when a player requests a trade. If if I'm the guy, if I'm running the team, I want that. I want the player to come to me and say, "Hey, just to give you a heads up, I've got an option next year. I'm not planning on sticking around." If you guys want to move me, you can get something for, you know, that type of thing. Cause that gives the team a chance to yep. get something right. I mean, I went through the Lakers losing Dwight Howard and getting nothing for him. Look at how hard the Celtics had to fight in order to make sure they at least got a trade exception for Gordon Hayward. Cause you don't want to lose a guy for nothing, right? That's that gets bad. But when it, when it flips and it becomes, Hey, I'm leaving and I only want to go to these places and I'm going to try to make this very public and try to get this done quickly that's where you get that that conflict and then it starts looking bad uh in the media and so that's something that you know the nba doesn't want to see a lot of that happening but it feels like it's becoming more and more commonplace yeah it really is i mean these guys know that no matter what my contract is if i'm unhappy at a point in it i can say i don't want to be here anymore and they're going to force a trade and you know and that's where the nba has to do what they can um with the teams and with the players to really say hey we need you to play even it's fine if you want to be traded but you still need to show up you need to play hard you need to do your job but look at what happened with anthony davis right when it was clear he no longer wanted to be with the pelicans they they had to shut him down because of his injury history. There was a worry that, all right, we could keep playing him, but if he gets hurt, what does that do to any potential trade right. package 
we have. And now that's where you, it gets really difficult here. Now, Harden doesn't have that kind of injury history. So, you know, may, maybe you can, you know, play through it and be just fine. But but I, th- I think we're going to ultimately see this turn into to something um, with the uh, the you know, Rockets where they're just going to hang on to them, you know, see where it goes and wait until they're absolutely blown away by a trade offer to make that deal. Yeah, and that's that's really all they can do. That's all they can do at this point is wait until the offer yep. is great because they don't. He is their star. If they trade him away for for peanuts, that's that's going to set them back in terms of rebuilding, in terms of turning into anything else. So certainly a tough spot to be in for the Rockets. But on the plus side, I can say that the recent trend has been even when a player demands a trade, there's been a pretty big haul given to, to yeah. that team. I mean, look at what the Pelicans got. You look at what, uh, I mean, you look at what the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis. You look at what they just got for Drew Holiday. You look at what the Thunder got for Paul George, right? I mean, this is this has been the trend. It hasn't been like it used to be where you got hardly anything. Like, uh, I mean, obviously I usually go Lakers examples, but look at what the Lakers got for Shaq. When you got Karan Butler and Brian yep. Grant and Lamar Odom and, and the pick that became Jordan Farmer. Um, look at what happened with the Nets and, and Vince Carter. No, that was the Raptors and Vince Carter. Um, when they traded him away, it used to be you got way less. Today, teams are more willing to to pay up in order to get stars. So I think if Houston waits and they find the right deal, they can still be okay moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And what they have said all along is it is at least two young, youngish players that are under team control for a couple of years. If they have, um, you know, another player that's in there, ideally, and then they want as many picks as they can possibly get. And after what just happened with Drew Holiday, I don't see how they anybody can deny them that. Right. I mean, Drew, I love Drew Holiday. I think, you know, he's a really good player. He is just not um, anywhere near on the same level James Harden is. And that's, you know, that's the difference. So I think that is, um, you know, the, the the difference there is, you know, is you're, you're going to have to, you know, ask for some kind of massive deal here. Um, so closing it out on Harden, just tweet just came through. Uh-oh. He'll need to register six negative coronavirus tests before returning to group workouts. And that's because of, you know, all the nonsense that was going on, you know, with him. And uh, let's just plug here, wear your masks, people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, uh, you know, a good chunk of our uh, uh, audience here live and our listeners are probably in California where you can't really do anything anyway uh, now as everything's shut back down. But if you got to go out, just wear your masks and and you know you don't need to be out there being an idiot like James Harden. So you know was so let's you know let's just be smart about it and and go forward with that. So Pete, that's that's yeah. the part. That's the part that's of this. That. You know what? If you're going to demand a trade, that's fine. You're going to hold out from practice to try to put pressure on the team. Whatever we deal with that kind of stuff all the time. But that's the part that really upset me, what Harden did. He didn't need to go to a club or go to a birthday party or put himself in a closed environment around a bunch of people and flaunt the fact that he's breaking all the league's COVID policy. There was no reason to do that. He could have been sitting at home and yep. sent the same message. Yeah. Instead, he sent the message that not only do I not care about my own personal health, but I don't care about the health of my teammates. I don't care about people around me. And I think that that was the most irresponsible thing that he that he did here. The The trade request aside, this was the worst look for Harden is what he went and, and did with his time here, because that is exactly what can't happen if the NBA is going to be able to play out this full season. That yeah. was that was completely uncalled for. Yeah, yeah, it's just irresponsible and dumb. 
you know, and that, that makes it really hard on, on everybody, you know, involved in the situation because then you you can't, you'll get what you are. But, you know, so we'll all be keeping an eye on this situation as it goes and, you know, into the season now. So I don't know when their first preseason game is. I don't know. I know the first set of them is in a couple yeah. days, but I don't know when they play. So, you know, maybe he'll miss here, um, you know, for, for there. So. All right. So let's uh, – the. The other story that came out a few days ago, and we could touch upon this briefly because you know this player well. Uh, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, Keith, but Kyrie Irving. He's, he's decided he's going to release statements now <laughs> rather than yeah. rather than actually speak to the media. And I can tell by the sigh there yeah. that you have some thoughts on this. So before I even I even poison the well here with my own my own comments, what do you think? I um Kyrie's an interesting guy. He is uh, tough to cover, having uh, covered him for for a couple years. Uh, we do have a question in the chat, yeah. by the way. Um, I'll let you get to that. Um, there is, uh, but yeah, he, it's so. Here's what what my thing is. You can say players shouldn't have to talk to the media. That's that's fine. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think some of the questions that they get asked are quite frankly kind of stupid. Um, you know, and then I think it's, you know, a little dumb when, you know, we push them. But then when you look at, you know, guys like I always look at LeBron James. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who gives a thoughtful answer almost every time. Even when he's aggravated, he lets you know he's aggravated while still being professional. Um, and, you know, may, maintaining that relationship. And he talks after wins, after losses, after every single game. And that's what you do when you're one of the best players in the you know league, one of the best players of all time, you know, maybe the best player of all time. So I think with Kyrie, here's the thing that's important to understand, though. Regardless of what he wants to do, the agreement is that players will talk with the media. They will interact with them. Um, so he can't do this. He can't say, I'm only going to release statements and I'm not going to talk to the media. There are rules around, you know, healthy players have to, um, you know, to talk to the media at least, you know, once on game day uh, before games. And then the teams can kind of control who's available um, after games. But either at shoot around, if there's a shoot around or pregame, they have to talk, you know, to, to the media. Those are the rules, whether you like it or not or agree with it or not. That's what the rules are. So I think that'll handle itself um in the end now what i will say with Kyrie irving is there was a time um where i witnessed you know somebody asked him about a specific uh, pick and roll coverage he was seeing and he proceeded to turn it into an answer about economic inequality in southeast asia i didn't you know it was complete it was a complete waste of time for everybody involved it had nothing to do with anything then there was another time somebody tried to ask him about um if you remember before his second year with the celtics i believe um he went and spent time with um uh various um uh native american groups um you know where where his family was uh from and and related to uh, i don't want to get the relations wrong but i know i believe his grandfather um in that but um and someone asked him about that and his answer was, can't we just talk about basketball? So it's just one of those where he's just a hard guy to cover. You, you really just going to kind of go with it day day by day with him and you'll make the best of it and, and do, do what you can. Um, you know, and that the unfortunate thing is what I think this really puts is it puts us this a big lot of pressure on his teammates Yes, because now if he's not going to talk or if he's just going to kind of give, um, you know, uh, 
non-answers to questions, it's going to put make it harder for everybody else on that team because they're going to have to answer questions that he probably should be the one answering, especially if it's, you know, hey, what did you see on that final play when they, you know, blitzed you out of pick and roll? You know, what, what, what was your look or whatever it was? Um, that That's going to make it hard for for you know everybody else if he's not going to you know give good solid answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will I will answer this question real quick and then I want to jump back to the Kyrie thing here. I'll give you my thoughts. But William Sturgeon from YouTube said who's someone you're looking at for for a trade at the deadline how aggressive uh, with how aggressive Rob Pelinka has been. I imagine he will be looking to make one more move. Maybe. I mean, the Lakers have some pieces under contract that maybe they could look to trade, but that's not the goal right now. I certainly don't think the Lakers are looking ahead to the trade deadline. At the moment, I mean, they're looking at the team they've got right now. They'll evaluate as the season goes on and then go from there. Maybe they'll be they'll find a deal that they really want to make. But that's that's going to be true of any season and every single team. They're all going to evaluate to see what kind of moves they can make. I don't think there's anything where they're thinking, hey, at the trade deadline, we're going to go get this guy. I think there's just too many variables that have to play out over the course of the season right now. Um, and and let, let me jump in on uh, that too, just with the outsider perspective here is, and I'm going to sneeze. So a pod, <coughs> excuse <bless> me, <laughs> that was fantastic podcasting. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they are because of the hard cap. They just they can't take any money on. Mm-hmm. So you know any deal they do has got to be for equal or less money, and that that's that kind of you know inherently limits things. Um. I like the depth they have, but it's not like they're exactly swimming in a ton of depth. So you're not going to do one of these deals where you send out three or four guys to bring in one guy. Um, because then the other thing is, again, with the hard cap, you can't replace them. And I know we're going to talk about the hard cap here in a couple of minutes just to you know really kind of ground people and explain them, explain to them well, what the hard cap is and what that means. But, yeah, that, that's why I don't know that they're going to be making um, you know big moves uh, you know, with that because I just – I don't know that it's there um, for them. So that that that's the only thing I would say gets um, to be – you know, a little, uh, a little tricky for the Lakers in the trade conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just an, another complicating factor and trades already get complicated enough. So trying to come up with a big yeah. move, I'm sure we'll talk about plenty of them. There's going to, there's going to be plenty oh, sure. of chatter, but it just getting one done logistically might be difficult, but um, just to, to wrap yep. things up on the, the Kyrie thing. So when you look at what's the, what's the role of the media, the media is there to kind of help promote the team and to provide context to what people are seeing on the court by giving the the players thoughts, by giving their opinions. And if, yeah, sometimes there's dumb questions that get asked. And sometimes players say things that get taken in the wrong way and they get twisted and they, they, the, the player catches flack for it and everything. But there's also a lot of guys who are extremely good at dealing with the media and have learned how to answer questions. And if you're not good at it, I don't think you just run away from it, right? You need to get better at it. You need to to get better at answering questions. You mentioned LeBron James, just to paint a picture for you. Locker room, my first locker room experience with LeBron, his first season with the Lakers. He's he's sitting at his locker. He's he's negotiating a business deal. He's got an iPad in front of him and he's doing a video chat. And he's negotiating a business deal, right? And he's talking, he's got his headphones in, he's talking. And we get noticed that, all right, LeBron's going to talk in a minute. And so everybody kind of goes and crowds around LeBron. He's got this whole crowd of people getting ready. He finishes, you know, sets down his business deal. And he was just kind of, he had kind of been joking with some teammates, talking to the people on the iPad, talking about what they're going to be doing and stuff like that. Stands up, boom, flips on, right? It's like he just flips a switch and just starts answering questions, giving thoughtful answers, stuff that where it sounded like he'd been spending all day thinking about it. And it was exactly what people needed. 
and it wasn't he didn't hide from any questions he didn't dodge anything but he didn't say anything all that controversial either because he's been doing it since he was 14 right so this is a skill that you can learn and if you're not good at it the the solution is not just not talk to the media because again that's part of the nba that's part of promoting your team that's part of promoting the league that's good for everybody the solution is get better at talking to the media Kyrie. don't go run and hide behind a, a statement that you're releasing Yep, and hopefully that's the last time we have this conversation this year. That would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this hard cap thing because we've got yeah, now man. the Lakers have a hard cap. Uh, the Boston Celtics do have a hard cap. They signed yep. Tristan Thompson to that mid-level exception. Yep. Who else? There's a few others that yep. are that have hard caps. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. There's uh, 18 teams are hard cap. 18 cap-ed. now. Um, yeah, 18 of them, yeah. So let's talk about how you get hard capped first, because yeah. I think that's a kind of common misconception. It has absolutely nothing to do with how much money you spend. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are spending money like a uh, insane person, um, you know, is that that uh, you know is just you know loading up credit card debt that they'll never have plus a million to pay on off. Kelly plus million for Kelly Oubre. Yep. Um, but so it's got nothing to do with how much money you spend. Um, they are not hard capped. How you get hard capped is one of three ways. Either you acquire a player via sign and trade, you trade uh, or you sign a player uh, using a portion of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception that is greater than or equal to the taxpayer mid-level exception, or you use the biannual exception. The reason those three things hard cap you is any team that starts out above the tax apron cannot do any of those things. Mm -hmm. They only have the tax payer mid-level exception. They can't use the biannual and they can't acquire a player via via sign and trade. So that that hard caps you. That kind of closes the loophole from spending a whole ton of money and then coming back around and, you know, being able to do all these other things. So so when you get hard capped, what that means is think about what the Warriors had to do last year. If you followed that at all, they were waving guys and then re-signing them two or three weeks later. Um, they, they were, you know, doing things where it was like, are we going to bring in this guy on a 10 day? Then we're going to wait two weeks and then we'll bring it, bring him back on another 10 day versus, you know, immediately a second 10 day um, and those kind of things. So what happens um, is if you're hard capped, you can't even go a dollar over it there's no there's no exception there's nothing you can do you can't go um over the hard cap at all so in the case of the lakers or the clippers um because they're right up against the hard cap you their challenge is they can't take on any money in trades they can't even necessarily fill out their entire roster right now because they don't have it the other part that makes it tricky for them is if you just looked at their raw salaries they're okay but what ends up happening with the um, hard cap is you all of the um, incentives and the bonuses, those all count towards the hard cap, even if they haven't earned them yet. So a guy like Dennis Schroeder, he's got some pretty significant bonus money that he could earn. And the reason why is if the player does earn all of those bonuses, that would take you above the hard cap, right? If he did, so you can't do that if you acquired somebody else. So that's that's why it's gotten to be a um, you know tricky spot for a team like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Pelicans were there a couple of years ago, and then clearly the Warriors last year. So so that's just going to be something these teams are going to have to work around and and figure out as they go. That might be why you see the Lakers you know go with only fourteen guys on the standard roster for a while, um, and then they might you know add somebody a little bit later into the season. 
season and those kind of things. If they do any trades, they're probably not taking on, you know, very much money, if any money at all. And they, you may even see them look to do something like, you know, ship out uh, Alfonso McKinney mm-hmm. later in the year to a team with no money coming back just to clear a little bit of space. And they might have to trade a second round pick or something like that to dump that salary. But but that that's what's going on, you know, right now um, with the Lakers uh, in particular right here. And that's, you know, the Clippers are in kind of that same boat. And that that hard cap, just philosophically, the NBA decided to implement that in there in order to prevent owners from themselves, basically, in order to stop them from spending just ungodly amounts of money or feeling that like they had to spend all that much, all that much money. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? On the the way the entire system is set up in order to create a hard cap in order to stop spending is that I don't there's there's part of me that looks at that and thinks it's not I understand why players say I'm not going to take a discount like LeBron will say I'm not going to take yeah. a discount I want the max I can get because the whole collective bargaining agreement everything that's set up to try to stop teams from spending is is artificial I don't know what do, how do you see that um. I like the idea of a hard cap. I don't like the way that it kind of comes in and out of play for only certain teams and you have to trigger it. I think what the Warriors are doing this year is a little kind of dumb. Um, I th- think that's insane. Now, the luxury tax is supposed to be that penalty, right, where, where they're paying, you know, $5, basically $5 for every dollar they're over um, in tax. Now, that'll get cut down a little because the NBA is doing some, um, you know, kind of uh, – I don't want to say proration, but but they're doing a discount off the tax this year to help teams out and all that because the cap and tax didn't go up like where everybody thought it was going to. But I, I don't want to see it turn into where the L.A. teams, Boston, New York, Chicago, Golden State can spend – $250 million on a roster and a team like, you know, Charlotte, Orlando, Oklahoma city is stuck right around at whatever the cap number is. Cause I don't think that's best for the league. I think, you know, then it turns into the premier league, mm-hmm. which I mean, I enjoy the premier league, but there's a reason why in the premier league, like six or seven teams matter every year. And nobody else really does is because, you know, those teams, you know, spend the, the gap between them is so massive that, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. So that's that I'm not a, huge fan of um you know the way it's done but i understand the need for it yeah yeah i agree i think that there's there, there needs to be something in there it can't just be you know open up all the salaries maybe you know i've seen people throw out the idea of okay well if you're going to install a hard cap get rid of max contracts and if teams want to spend 90 million dollars 90 percent of their salary on one player let them go ahead and do that get rid of those of those kind of restrictions but then i guess maybe that's a bad look for the nba because some team probably would do that and uh and then that might not not play out so the old knicks before this new uh fiscal responsibility maybe the knicks have suddenly (laughs) turned into like the team everybody hoped they could be so james harden by the way bring things full circle called the rockets apparently this is what the rumor that came out uh, thinks of the Rockets as Knicks South. <laughs> Knicks. So is that now yeah. a compliment, though, based on how the Knicks have behaved this offseason? I mean, maybe. I, it could turn into a compliment. Yeah. Let, let's give it a full year and see exactly how they play out the rest of this before we get too crazy. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I was on a Knicks uh, related uh yesterday, and I said, I think what the Knicks did uh this is great you know you I've probably even said it on our show here I know I've said it to you in private but I think it's insulting to think Knicks fans can't understand a rebuild uh just like when people said you know the Lakers will never 
go through a rebuild because their fans won't put up with it. I mean, it's just dumb. You know, fans that have been around that long for good franchises, they they'll they don't insult them. You know, what they won't put up with is a rebuild that doesn't have a plan. You know, where you're kind of all over the place and you're doing stupid stuff. And that's what Knicks fans were fed up with. But if you came to them and said, hey, here's a plan where we're going to be bad, but we're going to get all these kids. We're going to use our cap space to, you know, build up um, space and we'll get extra picks and those kind of things. Then absolutely you can see, you know, that it, that it, you know, it will work and it'll go that way and, and people won't get too cranky about it. So that that's the tough thing is, you know, I think, um, you know, people, people get, you know, this mindset of these big market franchises can't, can't do a rebuild. What they can't do is a rebuild with, without a plan attached. And that was, you know, unfortunately what had happened far too long, you know, in New York. So yeah, now, now they've looks like they're being patient. They've got a little bit of, a little bit of a plan going on. I like the veterans they signed. I mean, we don't have to rehash, you know, our whole uh, two hour off season uh, <laughs> recap show. Our marathon uh, show. Yeah. Go listen to that. If you, yes. you know, that's something you're you're looking to do, um, but yeah, it's um, you know, I like what they did did this year so far. So I mean, when you look at at a team like the Knicks and the rebuild, I think you're absolutely right in terms of don't insult your fan base, don't assume that oh they they won't stand for a rebuild again. Like you said, if there's a plan, they will get behind it. I mean, fans in Philly were chanting "trust the process." You know, I yeah. mean that's like that. It's pretty clear that if you do it right, if you rebuild with a purpose, and everybody can see what that purpose is. They're going to get on board. Maybe you lose some casual fans. Maybe you lose some of those people that were just, you know, around the team when they were winning or whatever. But it, but you're not going to lose your diehard fans. The way you're going to lose them is by doing stuff with no plan. That's where you're going to yeah. get people showing up at games and putting bags over their heads and all that kind of stuff going on. Like we saw with uh, with the Knicks of, of the past. So hopefully they are coming out of this. Uh, but to bring you back to the, the whole hard cap topic. So we've yeah. got a number of teams that have them. Okay? A number of teams that now have a hard cap. Is there anything specific that you foresee happening now, especially with these teams that are, you know, contending squads now being saddled with a hard cap? Like what kind of moves do you anticipate happening during the season in order to deal with it? Because like, for example, the Lakers last season lost Boogie Cousins. If they had been hard capped, there's a chance they might not have been able to go get Dwight Howard. So what do you, what do you do in that, in those scenarios? Yeah. I think for a team like the Lakers, that's where a, you know, McKinney trade comes into play. You know, they had to fully guarantee his deal at one point seven six million and change um to to pull off that that trade that sent JaVale McGee out and freed up the room to bring in Marcus Hall. But what what you're gonna see is I think that could be one where they send a future second round pick out to get that salary off the books and free up at least that minimum salary slot so they could go sign somebody, you know, a ring chaser on the buyout market or something like that. Um, or, you know, if they, you know, make any kind of trades, it's, you know, not going to be a trade where you send out, you know, Candavious uh, Caldwell Pope at 12 million and bring back in, you know, um, you know, 15 million or anything like that because they just don't have that kind of room. It's going to have to be like an equal, um, you know, thing, thing there for them to be able to do that so so that's what you're going to see and the Clippers you know say the same boat you know you could see a team like the Clippers you know shed um you know one of their smaller uh you know non-guaranteed deals or one of their smaller uh you know guys who's on even a guaranteed contract and get that off the books a guy like Terrence Mann he's on a you know similar-ish type contract to McKinney you know 1.5 million so you could see them uh, send him out. Um, I think Patrick Patterson's contract where he got uh, – they used his um, – uh, 
his his former bird rights to get him for three million dollars versus just getting him on another minimum. I think that was set up specifically. Now he's a little bit of a better trade matching piece if you want to send him out at three million dollars than he would have been at the minimum. So so those are the moves you're going to make. It's nothing that's super exciting or going to get everybody anybody too fired up. But like look at the Lakers. It's a very real example. Is they waived Quinn Cook, ate that million dollars for him. Brought him back, but he's on a completely non-guaranteed training camp contract. Right. Um, he's on the same type of deal Dwight Howard was last year. So what that says to me is, all right, if nothing else makes itself available between now and two weeks from now when the season starts, we'll just bring Quinn Cook in. We'll we'll move him over to a you know standard non-guaranteed deal and bring him in. And, and if something else you know great comes our way where we need to free up that space, we'll just waive him at no cost because those training camp deals, they don't count against you at all. They don't count right. on the cap. They don't count towards the tax or towards the hard cap. So so I think, you know, as you look at that, that's what they had to do with Cook. And, you know, that kind of says to me too, the relationship they built with him where he is willing to even do that um, and say, yeah, you know, all right, I get it. You can, you know, cut me at any time at no cost at all. All right, I get it, but, you know, this is where I want to be. If I'm going to be anywhere, you know, I want to be with the Lakers and go. Plus, I mean, he already got his million, so it's not, you know, he's doing all right out of the way. Right, that's right. Yeah, he does He does get that million dollars guaranteed. So let's say on a veteran minimum deal, he still gets that million dollars. If they guarantee his contract or they, they convert it into a regular season contract, uh, yep. What would it be? It would be about one point six million, I believe. Uh, what he'll actually get paid—it's one point six—is the cap hit okay. and the tax hit. What he actually gets paid is a little bit higher than that because what happens with anybody who's a veteran who has more than two years of service? Um, what goes against the cap on a one-year veteran minimum deal is just the two-year um, minimum uh, charge, and that's one point six million. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this season but if um you know but what he's going to actually get is probably it's probably like more like 1.8 1.9 so uh, i'm trying to figure out he was scheduled to get three million dollars had the Lakers yeah. picked up his he's deal right the now he's getting he'll be basically right back almost right back where he was if they do sure. go ahead and keep this contract around for the season because he'll get that one million guaranteed from the last contract plus the money from this deal so quinn cook wouldn't yeah. really end up being out much uh, at all though i guess a hundred thousand dollars or so which is still something <laughs> I mean, for him, I guess. It's, for, for, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's still, it's still quite a bit there. Um, but all right. So let's, let's talk about this. Cause we talked about this a bit before we, we came on the other thing that's going around the NBA. And I don't know, maybe it's because I've coached a lot. And so that it, it just, it resonates with me, but the dress code, <laughs> I the dress code for, for coaches, this. I, I hate it when I was coaching, I hate it having to wear a dress shirt or having to wear a jacket or anything like that, especially like when I coach soccer, obviously you're not going to be wearing that you're outside and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. uh, but I loved being able to, at least if I was going to wear slacks, at least wear a polo shirt makes such a big difference. And that was what I thought the NBA's new policy for coaches was going to be, because that was what we saw in the bubble. And I thought, okay, maybe that's going to transfer into the regular season. I don't think it's a bad look for a coach to wear a polo. They're up, they're storming up and down the sidelines. Some of them, they, they're active, right? Uh, but now you, from our conversation, Keith, you were saying there's a little bit of confusion about exactly what this new rule yeah. means. Yeah. So what, what, um, you know, what it says is they still have to wear a dress shirt. 
Um, I guess is what it looks like. And what the NBA doesn't want is they don't want as a games on TV on one sideline. It looks like a summer league game mm-hmm. yeah, where everybody's in a polo shirt and, shorts. and you know, uh, you know <laughs> uh, shorts are not, they do have no, to wear, they're not gonna do shorts. They have to wear dress, uh, dress slacks, I think is how it's termed. Um, but yeah. And then, um, and then on the other side, you've got, you know, a team in button down shirts and, you know, it's funny cause I remember uh, talking to a coach once who's like, you know, once you put on the button-down shirt, I'm already uncomfortable. I might as well put the jacket on over it. And there are coaches who are, you know, no, there's no Pat Riley's, there's no uh, Chuck Daly's left in the league who, you know, absolutely love their suits. But there are guys who, you know, still feel like you should be in a suit and, you know, I, I want to look good on the sideline. But I know Frank Vogel, you know, the Lakers coach from his time when he was here in Orlando, I know he'd much rather be in a polo um, or, or, you know, quarter zip or a zip-up, you know, sweatshirt or whatever it is, as, as long as it looks good so yeah it's gonna you know ultimately you know we'll see where that that comes together because you know that sounds like that's just a little bit more of a discussion point between the coaches association and with the uh, nba itself so that they they have at least some uniformity um you know on both sidelines you're not going to be seeing anybody pull like a bill belichick or something like that but they're going to (laughs) be i'd like to see the coaches at least have the option to go ahead and wear a polo or something or something like that i don't feel like it looks all that bad and i think it's just a, more of an acknowledgement that hey these guys they're, they're not sitting at a desk all day right they're that's not what they're doing these guys are are active they're up and about and so i don't know me personally i don't mind the polo look uh last thing the news came out about an hour or so ago pau gasol potentially coming back training anyway 40 years old training wants to eventually come back to the lakers that would be a piece where they would have to wave at this point to sign him wave Quinn Cook, or like you and I were talking before we went on the air, potentially wait until that veteran minimum salary gets prorated. And Keith, you were starting to explain to me how that that goes, what that process is like. Yeah, so what happens is as the season goes along, uh, the veteran minimum prorates down each day. So so if it's, uh, you know, um, if it is, uh, you know, yeah, 177 days in a normal season and you know we're a month in that veteran minimum amount is only for 147 days um you know as a that come you know is what, what you would pay a guy on that so so that turns into you know you can save a little bit of money if again to bring up the warriors um as we looked at that um you know it was uh you had to watch what they did last year where they were kind of waving guys signing guys and those kind of things and they were you know waiting until they were finally at a point where under the hard cap they could bring those guys in and not you know be over so so we'll we'll see if that's the way it goes my guess is this is not something that's going to come together anytime in the next two weeks before the season starts because it'll be if he's gonna play let him get healthy to a point where he can actually be worth a roster spot. And then you'll reevaluate it when you get to that point, because that'll be, you know, where if you're the, uh, if you're the, the Lakers, you'll feel better about, all right, well, now we know he can actually play and you bring him in then um, versus, you know, bring him in now and let him rehab and count against the cap and all that sort of stuff. I think you'd rather wait and see, you know, all right, can he even play? Cause it's, it's been now a few years, since since Paul Gasol's been a uh, NBA player, and I'm a little bit worried that this is more of a sentimental thing than it is a you know actual encore production thing. And those things are fine, but how many roster spots are you going to give to guys because you know because it's a nice story and they're good in the locker room? There, there's only so many of those guys you really need on a time at a time on one team. 
Well, and that's exactly what Powell said in that Zach Lowe article was that he wants to admit to if he's going to come back, he wants to be able to contribute with a team. He doesn't yep. want to come back and just sit on the bench and kind of, you know, be that be that nostalgia piece just sitting there. So, uh, yeah, he's going to have to prove that he can play. And then the Lakers are going to have to feel like, one, they've got a need for what he can do and that he is the best option at what he can do, that there's not someone else out there on the market that would do it better than he can right now at 40 years old. Although I think if it's close, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you do have that nostalgia piece. It would be a nice connection with the fans. Of course, you know, he's going to be great in the locker room and then, uh, and then having his brother on the team as well makes a nice story, but he's got to be able to prove that he can do it out there on the court. You know, I'm I'm rooting for him. Fingers are crossed. Hopefully he's able to work something out. Great guy. Um, I love we'll watching him play, so I'd yes. love to see him, you know, get back and indefinitely. Right, right. They, the Lakers are in a spot where they could use another big, mm-hmm. you know, another kind of true five if, if he's got anything left. And and somebody in the chat asked about a ten day contract. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe Kim Noah came back to the Clippers on a couple of ten day contracts last yeah. year before, um, you know, everything before the world went to hell and we all shut down and then months and months later he signed another new deal but but yeah it is um you know i think it is uh you know that's a definitely a possibility now those can't be signed for a little while it's it's you know you got to get into the season a little bit before those deals can be signed but but yeah you know that that's you know definitely something that that you can uh you know look at doing there because i think you know then you can kind of test drive it right find out can he actually play or not Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what they need to know. Uh, I've got a question here. Tony Castro from Facebook's asking, is that an Andrew Bynum back there? Yes, it is an Andrew Bynum. <laughs> I never thought. I never. I, I got that. I got the jersey like four months before he got traded. Right. And so and I'm like, OK, great. What am I ever going to do with this jersey? But I'm not going to throw away a jersey. So it was, it's just been hanging in my closet. And then Lakers, they won a 17 championship. And I went oh, 17. OK, perfect. I can use this. <laughs> I can use this again. So, yes, it is finally getting some use um for right now so yes it is an my Andrew favorite Bynum jersey. good eye Andrew Bynum thing is nothing to do with him with the Lakers or anybody Bowling. else but it no it's not even that it's remember that story when he was I think he was with the Cavs and he was basically on his way out his last practice with them where he shot the ball did have you ever heard this story um, do you know this one I know he I remember him getting pulled he in shot a game. the ball and this was in a practice, yeah. but they were scrimmaging five on five. He shot the ball from wherever he caught it. So if he rebounded it <laughs> under his own basket, he turned and shot it from there. And that was finally when the Cavs were like, we're done, enough of this, trade him. That's when they did the Luol Deng trade um, there. To, to I think they sent him off to Chicago, I believe, if I remember right. And then then that's where it was. But, yeah, that's that's my favorite Andrew Bynum story because I just wish I was there. <laughs> I had not heard that. I would love to see that. I would love to see Bynum yeah. gets a rebound on the defensive end and just turns and just chucks the ball. 90-foot <laughs> jumper. Can you imagine what everybody else must have been thinking? Oh, you my know, gosh. That practice in the uh, – there's three practices I would have loved to be at, uh, or four. Uh, number one is the Dream Team yes. practices. Against the, uh, the college yeah, The real kids. Dream Team, the 1992 Dream Team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, half the people watch. Like I wasn't even alive, probably. But um, you know that I would have loved to have seen that. The other one is um, the Jimmy Butler one, mm-hmm. where I where he went off on everybody. And then the other one is there was one where um, 
uh, Doc Rivers when KG was in, I think it was his second or third year in Boston. Doc was trying to get him to take take it easy, and um, he told him, you know, you're not going to practice today. I gotta, you know, you gotta sit. And KG was like, that's fine. You know, was really angry, cussed him up and down because he never even wanted to miss practice time. Mm-hmm. And then KG proceeded to, I think it was Leon Poe went in for him. He proceeded to do all of the actions Leon Poe was doing on the court, on the opposite sideline. So if Poe, you know, ran, sprinted the court, KG sprinted the court on the opposite sideline. If he took a jump shot, KG, you know, mimed taking a jump shot and just went through the entire practice. And Doc was like, dude, I wanted you to sit and rest. And he's like, yeah, I don't do that. So so I would have loved to have been there for that one too. Those are kind of my practices uh, where I would have loved to have seen. But I've just been a, been a silent observer to see see it all play out that's a that's a great one too that would be a lot of fun to see that one. Oh no oh somebody in our chat says the Spreewell pj carlissimo warrior uh, no yeah, i wouldn't want to be there for that one <laughs> yeah that, that i'd be like oh man he's choking him out that guy you know, that, that, that must yeah that, that that's a terrible add it to the list yeah we'll, we'll, i wouldn't we'll, mind yeah. seeing the ones okay. we know uh kobe and nick young started going back and forth at some Lakers practices back in the day. I would have liked to have seen uh, some of those, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, come on, man. we're talking about he was on here. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, did somebody had asked, uh, did somebody asked like a real question? Um, and I forget what it was now. Cause I got so lost in practice stories. Uh, trading for Lori marketing, probably not. I uh, don't don't think they they have the the ability to you know pull pull that off. I don't think they'd have the assets to send back to the Bulls, and I don't think they can absorb that salary in a, a reasonable way. Um, but there was there was like a real question. I don't know what it was now. Uh, I can't find it. Oh well, they go by pretty quick. Sorry, um, yeah. Sorry whoever it was, I do you know, apologize. So um, yeah, you know it, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see now here. The thing thing um, we I know we wanted to kind of close on is um, uh, what's going to happen over the next two weeks yeah. here as, as teams build out their rosters. So you're going to see a lot of roster turn for these teams that are going to have a G League team. Uh, there, There's a handful of teams that, that it sounds like may not. Boston is one of them. Sounds like they're not going to take part in the G League bubble. Sounds like they're they're going to, uh, you know, just just opt out of it. I think you're going to see a handful of other teams go that way as well. I think the um, Lakers th- might have been in that group too. Yeah, I think teams are looking at it as we need these guys with us, you know, mm-hmm. so we're not sending our two-way players down. Two-way players, just so everybody knows, their uh, rules have changed on the two-way players now. It's they can do um, 50 games uh, this year instead of 45 days, and it was days, so practice right. is counted in there. So now it's up to 50 games that that they can be active for uh, this season. So yeah, it, it'll be it'll it'll be. Somebody's asking you for a license plate cover. I don't know what that's all about. We give those away on our live shows uh, uh, in the uh, evenings. We go Monday and uh, Thursdays at eight o'clock Pacific time, and we give away and we do some license plate frame giveaways for the Lakers Nation show. But we don't have NBA nice. front office license plate frames. <laughs> Man, if we did, I we, we'd autograph them and send them to you that's right so you know somebody mock one up and we'll, we'll take a look <laughs> at it but uh yeah so so the two-way players are really just an extension of the roster mm-hmm. this year more so than they ever have been before for every team because every team you know is all as much as everybody's kind of hoping for the best with covid and all that everybody is prepared that guys are going to miss time and and there's a potential if a guy you know has a positive test and needs to be out he could be out for about two weeks so you really want your two-way guys there um but you're going to see those teams churn those last couple roster spots they're 
you know, kind of do what Oklahoma City, if you've been following that, um, or you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me tweeting about it. They're adding kind of a new guy every day, and that's designed around getting their G League rights and, and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a handful of teams that have some kind of roster decisions to make that have more guaranteed contracts than you're allowed to to carry in. Yes, they changed the two-way rules, but they haven't changed any of the other rules. It's still 15 uh, standard guys and two two-way guys, 17 total players. What may change is, um, I don't know how many people know this, but you can only have 13 players active for each game. Um, that may go up to 15 yeah. uh, this year. They're, they're asking for a little bit of leeway on that one. And I think that's more for game day. You know, if a player's like, you know what, all of a sudden I'm not feeling so good or whatever, right. you have that flexibility to do that. Um, the and especially situation. Exactly. And, yeah. and if teams are going to be doing some of the, uh, you know, load management rest days, and that's been kind of a big topic, uh, you know, in the last couple of days, too, is, you know, it was basically, you know, we get it. You need to load manage, guys. Just don't do it when it's a national TV game. And that, that makes sense because right now this is a made for TV sport, right? There's no fans in, in the arenas anywhere. So, you know, yeah, I get it. But not. now what I wonder is, you know, like, look at the Warriors last year, right? They were on TV all the time in the yeah. first Let's call it three quarters of the season, but they were awful. You know, you don't want to play that game. You know, if you're LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or right. one of those guys, that's a good game to sit out. So, so I think that's going to be where the NBA is just going to have to have a, uh, you know, sense of realism here with these teams and understand, you know, hey, it, you know, I know my game against, uh, you know, uh, you know, bad team X, the Rockets, if they trade James Harden, is on national TV, and the game against, you know, the Suns is not, but the Suns game is a real game, and that one isn't, so, you know, they're just going to have to understand, so, so you know, well, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I think the NBA in general needs to try to be as flexible as possible, and that might mean uh, yeah. allowing teams to do things like like keep the G League players around, or I, I wouldn't mind seeing flexibility like we see sometimes with the NFL now, with games getting moved, with games getting rescheduled, or with national uh, TV games getting, yeah, getting but- changed. I think that is going to happen. I think there's going to be games that get canceled or get rescheduled for later on. And um, man, that that's just, that's the way it's going to be. We're going to have to be flexible this season. Um, There's just no way around it. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Is it going to suck when you sit down at seven, seven 8 o'clock and you're ready to watch a game and you know, you find out, you know, an hour before like game can't be played. Yeah. It sucks. But you know, that's where, you know, it is what it is. You're just going to have to move on and do, do something else, you know, go watch another game, you know, go, go pop around league pass or whatever it is, you know, there, but yeah, it's absolutely going to happen. I mean, you know, it happened in baseball. I think they're more hopeful it'll go the major league baseball route where it will have some hiccups and bumps early in the year. And then as it goes along, they'll figure it out. It'll get a little bit better and we'll go. But, you know, again, you're only only talking 17-man rosters. It's that much harder if, you know, you lose four or five guys. It's, it starts to get a little hard to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if it, if it mimics baseball, that means uh, towards the end of the final game of the season, something else will pop up. <laughs> right? Yes. Right in the yeah. middle of the game. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, well, that was good, Lord. That was no, what a mess. No, no. <laughs> All right. So. Well, I, I think we covered a lot here. I think there's uh, obviously a lot of big storylines heading into the NBA season. I'm excited. I mean, I know that it hasn't been off for that long, but I've already been missing basketball. So I'm excited that we are just a couple days away from getting to see yep. NBA basketball yeah, on the floor once again. Even if it's ugly preseason basketball, I don't care. Give me I just basketball. want to see the young guys, right? Yeah. We didn't have summer league. 
Yep. So I don't see all these you know guys who are new to the league play because we didn't get to see them at all at summer league. So I'm you know 100 percent in on preseason more than than I usually am because this is our first look at any of these guys, and I think we're going to get to see a lot of them. I don't think the veterans are going to be exactly out there. You know, uh, that's going to be just enough to knock the rust off in these first. Let's call. It, I'm saying. Until we're about around MLK Day, so roughly a month into the season, I think it's going to be be a little little ugly. Um, you know, I, th- I think you know games are going to be ugly. Guys are going to sit out. Um, you know, it's just it's going to look you know kind of messy. But you know, if that's the sacrifice we bring, and you know, I, I you know Trevor, man, I'd rather watch bad basketball than good just about anything else. Yeah, that's that's just it. Absolutely, give me basketball to watch. Give me the excuse. Honey, there's a game on. I can't watch The Bachelorette with you. I need to I need to watch this. <laughs> Got to yes, work. <laughs> I will take basketball over just about anything else. So, all right, guys. Appreciate everybody who joined us live here for this. If you're coming in from Facebook or YouTube, I've got all your comments and questions in here. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast version, don't forget, hop over to Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star review, and toss some, some comments in there. We will discuss them on our next show. Keith, man, this was fun. I think we covered a lot today. Yeah, absolutely. We, we bounced around. Yo, super excited that everything's getting started for real. It's just about time. Yep. And next week, when we do our show next week, we get to actually talk about real basketball that's being played on the floor. I love it. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. And, uh, oh, don't forget to follow Keith on uh, on Twitter, at KeithSmithNBA. Tons of great salary cap info that he puts out on there. And you guys can follow me at Trevor underscore Lane. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.